Welcome back. You're watching Stockwatch with me, Juliette Televi, and joining me to take your stock-related questions this evening are Graham Kerner from Kerner Perspective and Rand Swiss's Gary Boyson. If you'd like to send questions to us, please SMS 41392 or email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za. Gary, uh, Graham, good evening to you both. Graham, if I may start with you tonight, it wasn't a particularly good day for the market. The Rand tumbled, although the dollar seems to be quite strong. Um, and then there was quite a, a dour um, economic outlook produced by the World Bank on, on the state of Asian economies, um, basically saying that they're going to have the worst growth rates in about 50 years. Was that, uh, to some extent, uh, what was behind our market taking a bit of a tumble? Yeah, Juliet, good evening. I think, um, yeah, that, that's probably it. Obviously, South Africa considers to be more geared to, I think, increasingly to Asia than to some of the others. If you look, Europe, I suppose, on average, uh, down about a percent early trade in the U.S. actually didn't look that somber at all. So, yes, I think that that, that is, is a part of it. And then also, I think just generally, there's a lot of anxiety around, um, you know, I think earlier in the year, people were quite excited and optimistic about emerging markets. That seems to have, have fizzled because, you know, if our torchbearer, China, is going to um, experience really tough economic conditions with challenges, for example, in the property sector, amongst others, then it doesn't augur well for, for smaller and more dependent emerging economies. So I think that was probably um, a fair part of it. Having said all of that, of course, NASPAS was one of the two top 14 shares that was, was up today. Yeah. Um, you know, um, yeah, but it's it, it was a it was pretty awful. I'm sure Gary will agree. As the day went on, it just got worse and worse. Mm. Um, and not even a weaker rand was was enough to help. Yeah, we were off about one and a half against the the dollar, but we were also down, probably approaching a percent against both the euro and the pound. So that maybe helped mm. the likes of British American Tobacco and a couple of the other rand hedges a little bit, which might have softened the the worst of it. But it was an awful day, down two percent. Funny enough, small caps were relatively, uh, you know, a little less less hurt than than maybe some of the, the bigger bigger indices. Gary, why do you think the the mood got progressively worse today? Did the selling just sort of spark other more selling, if you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I think it was largely the currency as well. So at, at one point, uh, you know, we were 80, below eighty ninety, and uh, and and the kind of the, I think the, the currency really drove the pessimism because, as Graham was saying, it, it's very very broad based. So so while you know we we did get hit, I mean our resource index took the the brunt of the pain. So I would agree that it's it's probably that four point four percent GDP forecast from from the World Bank that's uh, denting denting the, the the outlook for some of the commodity miners because it was the hardest hit sub index but financial index down just just under two percent industrial index as you said nasdaq up so that kind of helping to lift it but but also uh, down just under one percent but uh, if you look across in germany paris putsi all down today so this was a very very broad-based global selling it, it wasn't it wasn't anything specifically south african i think it was uh, you know a lot of people rushing uh, potentially back into dollars uh, maybe taking a little bit of risk off the table yeah. uh, although as graham says We've got the the, the S and P five hundred is down, you know, sort of just just under half a percent at the moment, uh, and it's the Nasdaq that is green. So Nasdaq up about, around a third, and it seems that it's that AI theme playing out once again. So you've got Nvidia up almost three percent. I mean, recovering off a, a little sell off, uh, but it's it's uh, you know Alphabet up almost two percent. It's Amazon uh, up one and a half. Adobe up up one point four. So it's it's once again the the tech counters that are helping to lift the the overall sentiment. Um, and it kind of seems that if you're not in the, the tech space at the moment, uh, you 
you've got nothing to be smiling about. Yeah, which of course was, wasn't the call at the beginning of the year where everyone was uh, bemoaning how badly the tech companies are done and, and you know high interest rates. These are um, companies that um, are going to be badly affected by high interest rates. And of course, that didn't uh, play out, um, as you say, with AI uh, being the theme du jour. Um, one of the shares that got particularly pummeled was pick and pay. And um, while my laptop gets sorted out, there was a question that came through a little bit earlier which I'm sort of trying to memorize, but certainly the word implosion from the viewer stuck out for me. And he was talking about um, the implosion going on at pick and pay. Uh, Graham, rather cheekily today, we said in our headline, um, pick and pay hires pensioner as CEO, because essentially that is what Sean Summers is. He's 70 years old and he is going to ride to the rescue to save this company. Do you think it's an act of total desperation or an incredibly smart move? Well, it's awfully ageist. No, I'm just kidding. I think, um, you know, Sean had an incredible track record at, at pick and pay. Um, and, um, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, you know, they've been through a, a, a few CEOs who've tried to stamp their mark on it, but it really hasn't worked. I mean, if you look at that share price and we, you know, you have to think back maybe 20 years, people would classify a company like pick and pay as just one of those they just don't put a foot wrong, fantastically run, well positioned. Um, but if I look at this, my chart here, it's back at where it was in 2010, for example. In fact, uh, in 2008, it was almost at this level. So it's just been a, an incredible missed opportunity. Um, and obviously, as I always say, you know, we, we really like ShopRite as a business. We won't worry about the share price and the multiple right now. But um, while pick and pay was sort of meandering and, and doing their thing and, and maybe not investing in DCs and technology when they should have, uh, ShopRite was, was, you know, literally eating their lunch. So I think, um, you know, it's, it, it's really sad to see, um, I mean, a company of this order who was busy with what I would have assumed to be very much a, a board-endorsed strategic review in terms of repositioning the brands, although I personally thought it was a little bit soft, um, you know, to take old pick-and-pay store brands and, and try and reposition them, you know, and try and sell, tell people, you know, you're, you're, you're affluent or middle income, and if you shop at this one, then you, you're less affluent. It just doesn't <laughs> resonate, I yeah. don't think so. Um, yeah, but I think having said all of that, they, 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 you get the feeling as the, the, that, that the board is probably quite desperate, not that I'm saying it's an act of desperation engaging Sean. Mm. He's a very, very astute person. And maybe, you know, getting back to some of what made pick and pay what it was, you know, 15, 20 years ago is, is exactly what is needed. Although I would argue the landscape has changed quite significantly. Yeah, I, you know, and he's also been out of the country. I mean, you know, it's, You've got to come back and then get a handle on things. Gary, you're trying not to smile because actually you called pick and pay a short in the FM a couple of weeks back. So you must be feeling fairly chuffed about that. Well, when was it? At 62 rand a share, I think you said. You, I, 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 yeah, I, I did Google it. <laughs> it was the 12th of January, so it was coming into this year. Oh, okay, right. And okay, so just longer back than and that. Pick, and pick a, yeah, it, it, was, it wasn't quite, quite that, uh, that recent, but... But yeah, back then I was trading sixty-two and a half per share. So, so it's yeah, half, after, essentially. Th 
31 and some change. It was a pretty good short, and and it was a pair. It was a short pick and pay, long shop, right? Because at that stage, uh, they were trading on on roughly the same multiple. So if you look at the trading 12 months, they were both at around a 20 PE, and we were saying there's no way these are the same businesses. I mean, Shoprite has just done such incredible things in in terms of its uh, checker 6060 uh, pick and pay ASAP doesn't seem to be anywhere near as as efficient and and, and able to roll out. And it just seems like like Shoprite is taking market share um, everywhere from from Willie's Aaron from pick and pay and 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 their grocery offering just just significantly better. Um, and you can see it in in the update that that pick and pay has given recently mm. as well. I mean, you're talking about uh, you know sales sales up 8.3 uh, sorry at least sales up 0.3 percent uh, with selling price inflation at 8.3 percent. That means you've had a volume decline of of 8 percent. I mean that's absolutely massive and it's uh, and you know exactly where that volume has gone to it's it's gone to shop right so you know i was actually looking at uh, just the retail uh, the grocery basket if you want to put it that way last week and you know if, again if you look at just on a pure multiple basis i mean we know that spa has you know incredible problems at the moment uh, you know they they exit in poland but they, they've got their their own challenges around that sap implementation in in kwazulu natal and 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 they're priced i think accordingly um you know it's also it's a very difficult business model when you're competing on the, against these big corporate stores like a, a shop right and even a pick and pay or a willies um, when you, you're actually a franchise model and you've got this kind of like uh, franchisees out there, it's, it's it's a very difficult thing to do when when where these retailers are really competing at the moment is technology and the ability to do this instant delivery and have apps, etc. Um, so, you know, ShopRite at a 10 PE and at that stage, Woolies and, and Pick and Pay kind of around 15, 16 and ShopRite at 20. You know, do you pay the premium and go and buy Shoprite at these prices? I would argue yes. I, I still think that you you follow the Buffett advice and you go and buy a, a great company at a fair price rather than a fair a fair company at a great price. And okay. and that's kind of been our our view. And and it really has played out over this year. Um, and and you know, at some point, I think pick and pay will become attractive. Uh, you know, if you if you're looking for a turnaround story, you know, as Graham was mentioning, that they, they've struggled over the years, and, and a lot of that has, has been to do with their distribution, where you, you know the efficiency with which Shoprite knows what brands to put on shelves at what time. Um, you know, whereas pick and pay at, at one point literally had almost like these mini warehouses in their retail space. They were paying for retail space just to store up the extra products because they didn't know their customer well enough. Their rewards program didn't give them the the, the kind of big data. And the analytics that they, they required to get that supply chain really, really efficient. And mm. uh, yeah, so it, it's been difficult. But I think, you know, new CEO coming in, Sean Summers, it's, I think it's a very difficult world. And, and I don't think we can be too harsh on Peter Boone as well. If you think of in his two and a half years what he had to deal with, I mean, you had to deal with the whole world shutting down because of COVID. You had to deal with civil unrest. You've had load shedding. And listen, I know, you know, it's, it's the same playing field for everyone. You know, everyone had to face the same things. And yeah. yes, you could argue that, uh, hey, all the other businesses were shut down and all people could do was go to pick and pay. That was the <laughs> only store that was available and open. But it was a very unusual period. It was a very unusual period and a very difficult period, I think, that, that he had to shepherd the company through as well. Yeah. And, and it's not just the fact that um, they had to... Um uh, sorry, I've, I've lost my train of thought here. Um, the part of the problem with pick and pay is that its margins have been perennially lower than those of ShopRite. Um, and actually, Bruce Woodfield wrote a story for us today talking about how when uh, Sean Summers left, the return on equity at, at, at pick and pay was massive. And, and that should have been a warning sign to a lot of people because basically they weren't investing into the business, which is exactly what uh, you and, and Graham have said. They weren't just uh, investing into the distribution um, and, and putting in the money which into the things that would then bear fruit for competitors like ShopRite. Graham, do you think that pick and pay is going to be broken up 
or do you would you I mean would you buy them on the basis that a turnaround may um, may come to the fore or, or would you buy them on the basis that they get bought out by somebody or would you just not buy them at all at this point? Yeah, well, I think sometimes, uh, you know, Gary had the foresight to, to be short at 62 bucks. I generally, when I short things in my in my youth, they would double. So I tried to avoid that that whole game. Um, but I think I think they will all get it right. Um, you know, I think it's going to take time and, and it's going to be a, a slow, painful journey. Um, but it is still uh, a powerful force, arguably, you know, ShopRite, I can't remember how many successive quarters they've grown their market share at the expense of, of people like Pick and Pay. At a point in time, I would imagine that will, that, that hemorrhaging will stop. But having said that, I don't think it's going to happen tomorrow. So I think the sell off is probably a little overdone. But having said that, um, you know, as, as Gary said, you know, rather buy a good business at a fair value, although I, I respectfully differ, I think ShopRite's multiples baking quite a few years of, of good news in. But I think I would just leave pick and pay, but I do think it will make a comeback. Um, mm. You know, in a way, it's probably a little bit like Spur was, you know, in the old days where it sort of just stuck with a, a model, the, the world changed. And now if you look you look at what Spur's doing, yeah. you know, famous brands who may be just taking mm. that ShopRite and, 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 um, and pick and pay analogy, um, to, I, I think that pick and pay will resurface, but I think you'll have an opportunity to buy it. You don't have to chase it now. Yeah. Okay. There's a question on a, I suppose, far smaller company um, uh, called EPE Capital Partners, Ethos Private Equity Capital Partners. Um, I'm going to go to Gary first. And Graham, I know that you cover the stock extensively. Gary, is this one that you look at at all? No, I'm just going to pass to Graham. Okay. In the break, he was telling us how he's, he, he says, give him about half an hour. So I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to learn from Graham on this one. Okay, Graham, you don't have half an hour. Um, but what is your take on this one? It is a stock that you've picked before. Yeah, so I think the, the rationale is it, it, it's private equity, listed private equity. It's been a, a very disappointing listing, we have to concede. But having said that, you know, we haven't been in a normal world. So we quite like the, the private equity space, gives you the opportunity to invest in things and with people that you wouldn't otherwise have the opportunity to do it. Uh, but the, this instrument gives you liquidity. It gives you, you know, a really nice spread of, of different strategies and different uh, vintages. Um, but so I think the, the best way to put it is you're buying um, an asset that's probably worth nine, nine or 10 rand a share, four rand a share. So. You know, if you take the heads, you win, tails, you don't lose. I really believe this is one of those. The problem with it is it's very, very illiquid. I think today was a, a reasonable day. There was about 2 million rands worth of shares trading. But often, it's, you know, you, you almost trade by appointment. So I think it's a, a, yeah. I think it's a really compelling story. I, I reckon you can, you can make great returns over a five-year view because I think the IRR is going gonna, is gonna to come through the NAV. Um, driven by the EBITDA growth. And then I believe that that NAV discount will narrow as well. So I think it's kind of, you get a free pen because you're going to get, I believe, solid performance from the underlying investees plus a narrowing of the discount. So I think this thing is just a, a no-brainer. Certainly, I know that my well, my colleague Mark Hassenfuss is writing about it this week. Um, and he was talking about they've got a fintech business, Optasia, I think it's called. 
that has suddenly it's become much more prominent in their lives and you were saying he thinks the market is completely missing a trick on this one so that is my cliffhanger so read Mark Hassenfuss's piece on <laughs> EPE on Thursday um, Gary on the general market I, I picked up a um, it, it was an FT story today talking about how the VIX um, so trading and options tied to the VIX which is the volatility index also known as Wall Street's fear gauge um, is, it's on course to hit a record volumes this year Notwithstanding the fact that we've actually had relatively, well, I don't know if, would you call the markets benign, but certainly they have gone up overall, thanks to those few um, tech stocks that have taken us there. Does that set off warning bells uh, or, you know, people basically buying options to hedge against potential market volatility, um, the fact that there are record volumes of such, what, what does that say to you, that everyone's getting it wrong or that they may all get it right? I don't know if you can tell whether they're getting it wrong or right because you don't know which direction the options are. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, but, but, but I think I think what what you can tell though is is that there's there's uh, there's a, a larger interest in in these alternative uh, products, and and the idea that uh, you know using options to hedge and I mean we we use them within structured products and and the VIX is an incredibly important component when you, when you're pricing an option and when you when you're pricing a structure and I can tell you, you know without doubt you know the structured product business that we run has has you know it has become so so popular. Among clients and I think it's it's because it offers a, you know that alternative space offers a very unique um a, a unique way of playing the market where we've had a couple of very very volatile years I think uh, the sensibilities among investors are, are still a little bit fragile we've had a, a big run-up in the overall indices so the, the kind of go and buy the ETF strategy is, has got everyone's maybe a little bit more cautious around that because they know it's the magnificent seven saying lifting the, the S&P 500 and, and they're not sure where things are going so you know when you see higher volumes in something like the VIX it's, it's because people are, are essentially hedging the bets they, they're looking at alternatives to, to generate a better return um, you know I'm not saying that they're not doing it directly in the options market, but uh, I can tell you within our structures, it's you, you're also you know you're combining an option with a bond essentially. So with the higher bond yields, uh, it becomes quite attractive to to kind of play that mix. And and yeah, it's it's a popular product, so it's really no surprise that 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 volumes of the mix are increasing mm. because I think yeah, one beaten up investors, two alternative products are, are becoming more attractive, and and three you know with the higher with the higher interest rates, uh, you know these kind of more combined um, alternative products. Are, can, can deliver some pretty pretty amazing payoff profiles. I mean, we, we're closing down a, a three-year auto call at the moment where, where our investors have had 16% uh, US dollar coupons for the, for the last three years with, with almost no downside risk whatsoever. And, and your risk is essentially the issue of the, the option and the underlying bonds. So mm -hmm. some, some very, very cool stuff you can do. And, and I think uh, it, it makes sense to me. I mean, yeah, volatility up, people are becoming more sophisticated. Graham, I don't know if you want to add anything there or whether you find it's um, <clears throat> easy enough to do as a lay investor to hedge yourself. Greek to me. No, <laughs> so, I think, I think um, volatility is, is fundamentally um, a little bit low considering the world we're in. So, um, yeah, I would say the, yeah, I, I I understand the flows because I think a lot of people, like Gary was saying, are using structures. Although I've also you know, seen people get it get it wrong, not the clients, but you know when people put these structures together because they often structure them to sell rather than to to deliver. But I'm not saying for a second Gary does that. I think quite the opposite. But my sense is that volatility is cheap now, and uh, you know if you just took a simple trade view, I think buying volatility is probably a reasonably good bet because I think we're going into quite a 
quite a choppy period. I think the market's underestimating the, the risk of a U.S. slowdown. We've been talking about you know China and the the other uh, Asian economies. So yeah, I think that that um, and unfortunately you need to go international. I think to really get the efficiencies of the derivative yeah. market, the South African market, in my experience, which is limited, is uh, yeah, it's you can drive a freight train through those. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Then a question before we get to your stock picks: uh, Premier Group or Tiger Brands, or neither at this point? Um, I mean, at this point in uh, the cycle, uh, economic hardship and also inflation, are the food producers the last place you want to be, uh, Gary? I don't know. What you, What are your thoughts here? Yeah, I think you know it's, it's definitely a difficult space. Um, you know, the food, food producers, as you say, they're getting squeezed on both sides because you've got the inflation coming into their their costs, and and they they really, I mean, short of ABI, which seems to be able to manage to pause on costs, no matter what happens, uh, they they just have that kind of business. But but the the rest are, are really struggling. You know, with a consumer that's facing high interest rates, you know, just can't push through that food price inflation, you know, as aggressively, or if they are pushing through the inflation, they're seeing the volume decline. So, so not getting it through in their sales numbers. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a difficult space for the whole industry. So, you know, from a stock point of view, is that not maybe the best time to be buying it if you've got a longer term view, but mm. uh, short term, you can understand why a lot of these companies are under pressure. Graham, do you think, um, to, uh, would you answer, be able to answer Gary's question? Is it a good time to be buying them? And if so, which, you know, you have actually a, a range of options, uh, but if you had to p- take your pick between those two. Yeah, look, I mean, Tiger Brands is one of my perennial hates along with that. <laughs> no, it's just, um, it was, it, it was just, it's always been put on, or when I say always, historically was put on this ridiculous multiple for a business that's really, you know, trying to sell a premium product in a very difficult economy. Um, again, you can buy, you know, if you, if you like Optasia, you, you're almost getting premier in, in ethos for nothing. Um, you know, so, I, yeah, I think between the two, I probably prefer premier, but I agree with Gary, it's going to be a tough space. Um, yeah, but I would look at other ways of entering it. And I'm not just punting ethos, but they obviously through great have, a, have an exposure there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's, it's been well positioned and you know, it's re- been relatively steady since it's listing. Yeah. The results have been pretty decent as well. Yeah. Also looks fairly liquid though. Okay. Well, I shall get your <laughs> stock picks. Um, Gary, what uh, are you interested in at the moment? Yeah, so I'm going offshore. I'm going to to go for electronic arts, uh, which is, I mean, if you don't know, yeah, I think most people know it. It's a big gaming company. It does uh, titles like FIFA, Star Wars, NFL, Apex Legends, that kind of thing. Um, it's a, it's a, it's it's partly the industry. So so just uh, on a sector level, you know, the you know, you're looking at out to 20, uh, 2030, You know, uh, the sector is going to grow significantly. It's it's going to multiply many times. You're looking at probably fifteen to eighteen percent growth uh, within the sector, and then of that, your your big players are probably Activision, Blizzard, uh, Take Two, and EA are the big listed uh, U.S. companies that you can buy into. But uh, if you look at it uh, from from a, just just a, a pure valuation point of view, EA looks looks to be the best that its stock also hasn't moved as aggressively as something like take two this year so so lagging a little bit and i think that's that's uh, an opportunity for investors to get in if, if you look at its uh, um, uh, 
let's say five-year uh, revenue CAGR, you're looking at about an eight eight percent. Um, yet you're you're paying say four times sales. When you compare that to something like Nvidia at almost forty times sales, it looks very very cheap to me. Um, in, in essentially a, a tech industry, and of course I think I think people also underestimate how defensive some of these these companies can be. Yeah. They, they create these huge massive online uh, communities, and and those players actually tend to become very very sticky once they're in the ecosystem. Yeah. They they don't tend to leave, and, uh, and yeah, that's why I would uh, say it's worth having okay. in a portfolio. Yeah. I don't think I've played a, a game since the 90s. So I'm um, yeah, not in the target market. Graham, how about you? What's your pick this evening? I'm going to go uh, local Aspen. Um, you know, it's obviously been to the moon and back, um, came to earth with a thud when market became quite fearful of the excessive debt um, following an acquisition spree. But I think this business is, is really well placed. Um, you know, the last results weren't spectacular. Obviously, a few things like Russia and China weighing on them. Um, but, uh, and COVID obviously with, uh, you know, with the base effects and having to destroy, but you're looking at a business that will probably deliver 16 rands worth of earnings. Um, if you, you sort of take the Kool-Aid from management, I think this business is very, very well placed. Um, and, um, yeah, I believe that you're going to see very, very strong earnings growth from a, a, a fairly predictable, well-run business that I think is, is highly respective in the space that they produce. Um, so, yeah, I think on an 11 multiple with a you know, whopping 2% dividend yield, but at least you're getting one now, I think this business is a hell of a lot better place than it was five or 10 years ago, and the multiple is is really cheap. So, And, of course, it, it, it gives you strong rand edge uh, you know, elements for those who want that. Yeah. And I suppose having been through the ringer, they've, they've, they've paid their school fees um, along the way. Um, Graham, Gary, we have to leave it there. Thank you very much for joining us this evening. Uh, Graham Kuhn is from Kuhner Perspective. Gary Voison is from Rand Swiss. And we will be back uh, with the close in just a bit. Stay with us.